0: Well, g'day again. Fantastic having that dramatised Bible reading. Um, dealing with our real enemies. I wonder if I ask you the question, who your worst enemy is, what your answer would be. Keep it to yourself in case they are in the room. Um, but your enemy might not actually be a person. It could actually be a thing. Um, it could be a someone or a Something. That is against you, that brings you down. Here's my general definition an enemy is someone or something that threatens your well being. Some will have a greater impact, some are less. Now, it could be an individual, it could be an extended uh, family member, it could be a toxic work relationship that you're experiencing, it could be an annoying neighbor. Have you ever wondered what your neighbors think of you, by the way? <laughs> Uh, It could be a group of people that you perceive as a threat. The rich and the powerful, oppressing the lower class. Those climate change deniers or the climate change affirmers. Maybe it's the government forcing people to be vaccinated and creating segregation. Or maybe if you're a Mariners supporter, it's the Sydney Football Club. And I know for a fact there's a staff member who supports Sydney and you need to attend to that. (laughs) <laughs> it could be something personal for you something private which threatens your well-being it could be your financial woes your serious health issues maybe an addiction that could even be something about you that you are unaware of a hidden enemy the fact is we all have blind spots don't we it could be something like a personality trait that has a negative impact on you that You wonder why your life's a mess, but you don't understand what the cause is. And maybe it has a negative impact on those around you. Maybe you have unrealistically high standards. Or you have passive-aggressive tendencies. Or you're a chronic procrastinator. And you just don't see it. Others see it. Perhaps you're constantly critical. Or you're just really stubborn. Or you speak too bluntly at times. Or you exude an arrogant sort of presence or you have a controlling attitude you don't realize it but others do it threatens your well-being and the well-being of those around you Uh, my wife often accuses me accuses um, me of thinking that I'm never wrong Uh, that's not true Um, but the fact that I can't think of an occasion where I was wrong doesn't help the conversation The unnerving fact is, we all have blind spots, like what I've suggested. Others can see them, we can't. So what I thought we'd do is just take a moment to to turn to the person next to you and point out their blind spot for them. (laughs) That was a joke, please don't do do that, I'll get kicked out. (laughs) So what do we do with these unacknowledged blind spots that can threaten our well-being and the well-being of those around us? How do we address them if we don't even know what they are? Well, what we need is someone who knows us well enough and cares for us sufficiently enough to gently and clearly point them out to us. And what we need is to get a dose of humility to consider the possibility. I've got a friend who used to pick his nose when he preached like this. Uh, he had this nervous habit of flicking the corner of his nose. We told him. He denied it. <laughs> so we filmed him. <laughs> and we showed him. And he ate some humble pie. And thankfully, he changed his habits. And he did thank us later. That's a silly example. There's some more serious examples. I've got another friend who felt fine, who felt healthy, uh, he went to the doctor for a regular checkup. And the doctor noticed a few odd things and so recommended a few extra tests. And they discovered he had a brain tumor. He was completely unaware of this life threatening enemy. And this is one of the points just because you don't feel like you have a problem doesn't mean you don't have a problem. This wasn't a felt need for him, but it was a real need. Okay? A real need may not be a felt need. And the God of the Bible is a bit like a really good doctor. He knows lots about us. In fact, he knows everything about us. He sees our blind spots. And he cares for us deeply. He loves for us. He loves us immensely. And so what God does is he identifies and reveals to us our biggest threat, our deepest problem, our worst enemy. So what is it? Well, today's reading from Luke's historical biography of Jesus tells us. Around the time of Jesus' birth, the people of Israel were excited about the defeat of their enemies. Uh, they'd been waiting a long time for God to come good on a promise that he had once made, a promise to show up and rescue them from their enemies. You see that in, in verse 70, uh, where he promised King David in around 11, um, sorry, 1,000 B.C., It says, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, what he said was a promise about salvation from our enemies. And down in verse 73, he made a promise to a bloke called Abraham. It says, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. What was it about? To rescue us from the hand of our enemies. God promised to turn up one day and rescue them from their enemies. And so this big event that's coming would be marked by two things. Firstly, a messenger would turn up to announce that God is arriving soon. And the second thing that would happen is God would turn up and rescue them from their enemies. The messenger's name was John the Baptist, as we saw in the video. And when John was born, again, as we saw in the video, everyone was super excited because it meant that God's rescue mission was the next item on the agenda. If John's here, then rescue is next. You see that in verse 66, where everyone who heard about John, they wondered about it and they asked, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So it sounds there like this John guy, this new baby, is going to be a big deal. And so his dad, Zechariah, is inspired by God, to sing a song about all this. And why not? It's Christmas time. So he sings. But here's the surprising thing. The song's not actually really about John. Even though he's holding John, when you read the song, I mean, he gets to John, but it's mainly about someone else. So verse 69. Uh, sorry, verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel. So he starts talking about God. Because he has come to his people and redeemed them. See John's birth is is the signal that God has turned up to rescue as promised. In verse sixty-eight, it says He's come to redeem them. Redeem means to set free, to liberate. And the next verse tells us who will liberate them—a powerful king. In verse sixty-nine, He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. A horn of salvation. What does that mean? It doesn't mean a rhino. but a horn is a symbol of strength. I mean, you don't want to take this guy on in a thumb wrestle, right? That horn is going to crush you. A horn is a symbol of strength and power. And so this guy coming will be a powerful and effective saviour, but also a king because he comes from the house of David and David was the king and he had a royal line. In other words, God is turning up in Jesus to powerfully rescue Humanity from their enemies. So, who are the enemies? What are the enemies that Jesus is turning up to save us from? Well, Israel, for them in the first century, they perceived their enemy to be the Roman Empire. If you're an Israelite in the first century, you desired to be set free from the oppressive Roman rule and to prosper as a free and sovereign Jewish state. And many hoped that God would send Jesus to do this. But Jesus didn't do that, did he? Well, what about for us? Did Jesus come to rescue me from my perceived enemies? My personal list of enemies to save me from the things I consider to be my enemies? My insecurities, my aches and my pains... My financial woes, my addictions, my annoying neighbours who park on the council strip and play really bad music too loud. My oppressive boss, the government. Did Jesus come to rescue me from those enemies? Kind of. (laughs) You see, the good news is God does care about those things. And so they're actually on his to-do list. They are actually on his long-term, fix-it-up agenda. But all of those problems are more like symptoms of a deeper problem, symptoms of a deeper disease, signs of a worse enemy. About 10 years ago, I had a few itchy spots on my skin. That's not a picture of my skin, by the way. That's just Google. Uh, Although it did look like that. And after a few days of scratching and dishing, it started to annoy me. I found some of my wife's skin cream. I thought, that'll fix it. So I put some of this Nivea stuff on, thinking she'll be right. It wasn't right. My wife kept saying, go to the doctor, go to the doctor. go to." But remember, I'm always right. So... But on that occasion, I took her advice. Discovered I had chicken pox. Yeah. <laughs> Putting cream on, and a few band-aids on the big ones, it wasn't the solution. (laughs) Because I was only dealing with the symptoms, right? That wasn't enough. The causal problem was the disease in the blood. I needed that to be dealt with and it was too late. When it comes to thinking about our enemies, we tend to focus on the symptoms, the signs. When we actually need the core causal problem identified with and dealt with. We think our enemies are the financial and the emotional and the social and the physical. And as I've said, they are problems that God cares about and he will deal with them. But they are like symptoms and signs pointing to a deeper disease. And actually, when you think about it, it would be unloving of God to ignore the deeper disease and just treat the symptoms. It would be like putting cream and Band-Aid on the symptoms rather than dealing with the causal issue. So what's this deeper problem? What's this unseen enemy? Well, the hint actually comes later in Zechariah's song. Uh, When he starts talking about or singing about John the Baptist, he says to him, you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. So he's saying John is going to be like the MC who introduces the main act, right? He introduces, he prepares the crowd for the main act. And the main act is Jesus. And he doesn't just introduce Jesus as this rescuing person. But he introduces the nature of his rescue as well. You see that in verse 77. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, which, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the path of peace. Do you see what the enemy that God is turning up to save us from is there? There. There's the hint. Forgiveness of sins. We need our sins dealt with. And the shadow of death needs to be removed. Death. God has sent Jesus to deal with our sin and our death. They're the big enemies. They're the biggest threats. Sin is kind of like this core disease that gives rise to all these other effects and symptoms but you've got to deal with the disease, and that's why Jesus has come. So let me talk about what the Bible means by sin and its relationship to death. Uh, I remember back in year 10, back in the mid-80s, where we used to have this scripture teacher who would come in to a high school and teach us from the Bible. And he was a very polite religious man, and he would come in, and this time he did something different. He said, boys and girls, I, I want to do something a little bit different today. I-, I want you to firstly just sit there and think about the worst sin you've ever done. So we all sort of sat down and thought, okay, what's the worst sin I've ever done. He said, has everyone thought of one? Okay. Now I want you to come out one by one and write them on the whiteboard. But then, of course... The class clown got up and started the process. Stole my neighbour's car and stacked it. Got a criminal record. He sat down kind of, you know, proud. (laughs) Well, that was it. The competition was on, wasn't it? So we were all going up. You know, swore at the principal of my last school. That's why I'm at this school. Cheated on my last two boyfriends. Got caught dealing and smoking drugs at the same time. There's a great list of sins, 20, 25 sins And he looked at them. He said, thanks so much for your honesty. I really appreciate it. He said, but as I look at that list of sins, I notice that there's one missing. And then he said, and it's worse than all of them put together. And we're thinking, golly, what is it? And then he said, and I've done it. (laughs) Do we run now? (laughs) Like, what, what do we do? And then he said, and you've done it too. And we're like, what have we done? (laughs) Tell us. And he wrote it up in bold letters above all the other. Ignoring God. You see, that's the big problem. Ignoring God is the big sin. It's the root of sin, isn't it? It's turning away from him and saying, no, thanks. I'll do life my own way. Why is that so offensive to God? Because he made us for a relationship. But we turn away from him and we don't relate to him. We don't even try. We just live as if he doesn't matter. It's rejection, isn't it? It's basically rejecting him. Failing to treat him as he deserves and he is greatly offended. And here's the problem. That's problem enough. But his justice breaks out against us. His justice is the sentence of separation from Him. If we don't want relationship with Him, that's what we'll get. And that's what death is, ultimately. Death is separation from relationship with God forever. And it kind of makes sense when you think about it. If you reject God, who is the source of life, why would you expect life to keep going? Humans are a little bit like cut flowers. You know, there we are in all our glory, full of life and vitality, the flower, at least, is glorious while it's still connected to the plant with its roots firmly embedded. But once it's cut off, it does look impressive for a while, and you can do some pretty cool things with freshly cut flowers. They look nice, they smell nice, but what happens over time? They gradually wilt and wither and die. You're looking at yourself, friends. That is humanity. Humanity because we have cut ourselves off from the source of life we did it we broke up we separated ourselves and as a result life runs out and we get what we deserve and what is logical death and so friends we need to be reconnected to God don't we and here's the thing Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can fix that. Only can Jesus put the flower back on the plant, so to speak. And so what God is doing here in the Bible, he's showing us, and what Luke is doing here, what our real enemy is, what our real problem is. It's kind of like the Bible is God's giving us video evidence that we're actually picking our nose, or x-ray evidence that we have a tumour in our soul, that our hearts have turned away from God. That we need Jesus to fix it before it's too late now I wonder if you sense this as possibly true or actually true for you it may not be one of your felt needs remember it may not be one of your perceived enemies or threats but remember the blind spot factor remember that a felt need may not be a real need and a real need may not be a felt need what we need is the expert to reveal the truth and we should listen to God friends We should listen to Jesus. He's the expert on the human condition. When he runs his spiritual x-ray machine over our hearts, he identifies sin as our biggest problem. He's not denying all the other problems. He'll fix them up, but he's showing us the root disease, the cause of problem, the real enemy. And so he says, come to me for the solution. How does Jesus fix it? How does Jesus destroy our enemies of sin leading to death? Well, you've got to keep reading Luke. That's my suggestion. Luke's a great biography of Jesus. And this church has some great summer programs to help you explore that further as well. Uh, The Life Course, for example, is a fantastic way to find out more. Um, Let me give it to you in a a brief nutshell. In verse 78, all this happens because of the tender mercy of our God. That means we, we, we get what we don't deserve from God. He lovingly steps into our mess to fix it for us. He removes our enemy, our threat. How does he do it? By taking it onto himself. As you read through Luke, you see what happens. Jesus offers himself in our place. He takes our sin against God and the punishment of it in death for us so that we don't have to. He takes away our sinful offense so that we can stand forgiven before God and and he rises up. Defeating death. So so the two enemies are dealt with. Our sins can be forgiven. Life can be restored. You see, Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he, he makes the the flower he makes it possible for the flower to be reattached to its source of life and live again. And this offer is for you. It's for anyone who would stop ignoring God. Turn back and say sorry and grab on. So that's the question. I wonder if you're at the point where you w- would be willing to entrust yourself to Jesus' rescue. Say, I need what, you, what you're offering, I need what you've got. I was surfing last year down in Sydney and I was, I was just out there on my own. No one else was out. Uh, but after about an hour, I heard um, a frantic cry for help. This young adult bloke, whose name happens to be Zach, as I found out later... Uh, just started shouting, help, help! And so I'm sitting on my board going, what's going on? And I'm looking around thinking, is that coming from the beach? And then I see about 200 metres this way, this guy waving, he's stuck in a rip, he's getting pulled out quite uh, quickly, and he's panicking. So I thought, oh, look, it's a good wave coming, but... ah, ah, So I, I cho- chose to go, go with human life <laughs> for a wave. And I paddled it over as fast as I could, but it was a bit um, tricky just because of the rip. And as I approached him, he, he just started panicking even more. Like he, he was kind of going under and coming up again. And I was trying to shout out, stay calm, tread water, I'm coming, I'm coming. I don't think he could hear me. He was disoriented. And I finally got to him and he was still alive <laughs> and spluttering. And, and I came up to him. And I reached out like this. I said, grab on! What do you think he did? (laughs) Well, he didn't say this. No, 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 it's all good. It's all good. I reckon I can make it now. I think I've worked it out. He didn't say that, did he? A lot of people say that. Like, Jesus offers rescue. Then, no, 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 I can do it myself. You can't. You cannot solve your sin problem or your death problem. Only Jesus can. No, no, this guy recognised his need. He realised his greatest enemy in that hour was death by rip. and So he entrusted himself to the only rescue available. Boom, monkey grip. Anyway, I'll tell you the rest of the story later. We got him to the beach and um, it was a fantastic story. Jesus is saying grab on I've dealt with your worst enemy I'm offering you the solution grab on trust in me now you might not be ready for that you might not be ready for that and my suggestion is just keep coming along this church is a safe space to explore these issues you can ask all your hard questions you can have great discussion All right, you'll feel at home here exploring who Jesus is But you might be ready. You might be ready today. You've heard this talk and you thought, yep, I think what Luke's saying is true. I need to grab on trust in Jesus. He's the only one who deals with my real enemies. I've got to stop ignoring God and and turn back to Jesus. Well, if you want to do that today, let me give you the opportunity. I'm going to pray this prayer in a minute. Let me read it first. It says this, Loving God, I realise that I've ignored you and live for myself. I'm sorry. I realise that I deserve your justice, which is eternal separation in death. Please forgive me thank you that jesus deals with my deepest enemies and reconnects me to you please help me to live for jesus from now on now i'm going to pray that out loud line by line and i want to invite you if you're ready to just pray it quietly in your mind to god and he will hear you okay so let's do that together let's pray loving god I realise that I have ignored you and lived for myself. I'm sorry. I realise that I deserve your justice, which is eternal separation in death. Please forgive me. Thank you that Jesus deals with my deepest enemies and reconnects me to you. Please help me to live for Jesus from now on. Amen.